Good morning. Isn't that an awesome video? I'm excited. Well, well, I, I can sense the excitement after the video. All you guys are seriously busy pledging serious amounts. Um, Anthony, thank you for that. That's phenomenal. But we're starting a new series today called 10. And uh, this is a, a very exciting series. Uh, a, a couple of uh, series ago, we looked at the Lord's Prayer in detail, and there was such richness and, and wells of life that we discovered in it. So we prayed about our next series and said, let's take the same kind of deep look into the Ten Commandments, something that all of us know quite well and hopefully can recite by now from being a, a little child up until now. If you grew up in church, there's some things that you learned, and these are one of those things. But there are some truths that we're going to discover together over the next few weeks. Before we do that, uh, just a warm welcome from me. Uh, my name is Pierre. For those of you who don't know me, I have the privilege of leading this congregation. And I want to take a moment and look back on a significant last week at church. Who of you guys were here with us last week when Pastor Garristet preached? Now, right at the end of the sermon, he asked us to respond and saying, if we were trusting God for the river of God to flow through us in our workplace and in all of life, and he shared a couple of testimonies where God has creatively given people scientific ideas and breakthrough, and then all of us standed and responded in faith. And we've already heard two testimonies. I'm quickly going to share them with you. There's a lady in our, in our church family shared at Life Group that she works uh, in research at the University of Stellenbosch and she's busy with a PhD and there's some bacteria that she needs to grow and she's had a couple of rough months and everything doesn't seem to run the way she wants and the one thing that's really difficult is the bacteria that she needs to grow is not growing for her research to be developed and last week she responded to the prayer and she said God I want you to give me a creative idea. And in this week, she got the idea from God to add a certain compost to this bacteria. And now this bacteria is growing and the research has been continued because of what God has done in her life. Isn't that amazing? We also heard uh, from Louisa, who was part of the worship team this morning, one of the teachers at Paul Ruiz uh, School, where they've been trusting well, they've been figuring out a new system and a change over the system, and it's not worked out. And since last Sunday, and praying for her, she felt this week how God has given her the solution to the problem that they've been fighting for such a long time. And that's the beauty of applying the Word of God to our lives once we hear it and actually go and live it in the week. So as we start the 10 series, I thought it was just encouraging for us to, to hear these testimonies. And uh, if we apply... God's perfect law to our lives, we will experience His perfect love. When God set His law in place, there was only one motive behind it, and that wasn't to spoil your fun. The motive behind it was a deep and incredible love for each one of us. I want you to think about the chair that you are sitting on for a minute. That chair exists because of laws of science that exist. This building that you're sitting in exists because of construction laws that exist. Your body that you reside in exists because of natural and biological laws that exist. So all of life is, is a reason because of a God of order who set things in place and created things. And with that, he has given his law and order. And I'm not promoting the story on television when I say law and order. But in the same way, God's moral laws for us and the way he wants us to live is the very reason that 
we have life and have it abundantly and it can experience that. So when we talk about the Ten Commandments, some of you might feel, really? But why? Isn't this the big fun spoiler in my life? And the heart of God behind creating these laws from the start was one of love. Therefore, our series is titled Ten Perfect Law, Perfect Love. In response to that, King David said in Psalm 119, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. King David was so in love with God and responded with such an overcoming worship to God because of the laws of God in his life. He looked at it and he approached it and saying, this is amazing. You've given me the way to live. And because of that, I will worship you and I will make you king of my life. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do we love the word of God and his laws and his commandments and the things he has given us in the same way? Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says this, but the word is very near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart, so you can do it. If you're sitting here today and you think, Pierre, I'm not sure whether I can actually do all the things that the word of God expects of me or this Christian life is all about Here's the promise in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. Now in the context, when he said this to the Israelites, there were thousands of laws that they had to abide to. Maybe hundreds of laws that they had to abide to. So excuse me for the exaggeration there. And he said, you know what? Yes, there are all these things that you need to do. It was in the old covenant. But it's okay because my word is in you. It's in your heart. It resides in you. It's in your mouth. You speak about it. So you'll be able to do it. And that's the promise of God to us at the beginning of this series, that we will be able to do it. We can get to a place in our life and our walk with Jesus Christ where the Ten Commandments is a natural outflow of the relationship we have with Him without trying to strive and make it happen. The guidelines of the Old Covenant amplifies the grace of the New Covenant. That's the beauty of it, is yes, there are these things that we should do, and the life that we should live. But sometimes we do trip and we miss it and we don't hit the arrow in the middle of the, the circle. The Bible says sin is missing the mark. And often in our lives we miss the mark. But that's the beauty of the cross is there's a new covenant that's come. And the old covenant and the laws of the Old Testament that we read about amplifies the fact that grace has come. And Jesus Christ has said, because of me, because of the complete work of the cross, I fulfilled the law and you are now a new creation. And you don't have to try and do it out of your own strength. We are saved by grace through faith, not by our own doing, not by keeping the Ten Commandments bit by bit. And then when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, our response of worship is living according to those commandments. So turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. That's where we're going to find the Ten Commandments. We're going to read through them together. It's verses 1 to 17. And then we're going to be encouraged this morning. Just a little bit of backdrop to this passage. Exodus, I think one of the most exciting books in the Bible that was an epic, epic story up until this point where the 10 plagues has happened. Israel has been set free. They crossed on dry ground through the sea. They saw how all of Egypt was swallowed up. They just saw all these incredible things happen. And this is the first moment of response after all of that where I can kind of imagine them gathering themselves and they, they're thinking, we're free. Slavery, history, it's all behind us. And now, God, how do we live in order to remain in this sense of freedom? And that's what happens when we come to Christ. Is that, well, 
my slavery, my old life, it's all gone. It's, you swallowed it up. So how do I now live in order to remain in the sense of freedom and liberty that you bring? And let's read together from verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He reminds them of what he's done for them. That's the foundation of God's commandments in our lives as he starts by reminding us, I'm Jesus Christ, the one who died for you on the cross. I'm the one who's given my life for you so that you don't have to die. I'm the sacrificial lamb and I'm also the strong lion. So therefore live like this. And then he goes through them. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. We're going to talk about this next week, but we don't have a lot of carved images in our context. But there are other things that become idols. There are beautifully carved cars and other carved handbags and wallets and stuff that could become an idol in our life. God says nothing on earth or heaven should be above me. It says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to the thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. That's his promise towards us this morning. Thirdly, you shall not take the name of your Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who take his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Say any work. Say Aina or Amen. Aina. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in the six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Next up, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Beautiful promise. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or his Maserati, or anything that is in your neighbor's possession. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that we understand this morning that... Your laws and your commandments and the guidelines that you've given us all pertaining to life and godliness is because of a deep love that you have for us. And I pray this morning at the start of this series that we will discover that. Pray this morning as we look at the first commandment about putting you first, Lord, that we'll experience that love and that you will guide me as I share these words in Jesus' name. Amen. I said this already, but the law of God originates from his perfect love. It is the hallmark that marks us his. He starts off by saying, before I give you the rules, let me remind you that I am your God. I'm a deeply personal God. And you are my people. So these laws that I'm giving you is actually a hallmark to, to let you know that you are mine and, and, and I belong to you as your God and you belong to me. It's not something arbitrary and separate. It is him 
putting his stamp on us and saying, my people live like this. And when they do, the world will see that they are mine and I am theirs. Isn't it amazing? It is a seal of God's love and covenant with us. I want to look at Exodus 20 verse 2. And we read it like this in our Bible. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. In the original context, it's written like this. Your God, Yahweh, I am. He starts by making it personal. He doesn't say, I am Yahweh, your God. He says, your God, the one who loves you, who wants a relationship with you, who's deeply connected to you, and deeply relational towards you. My name is Yahweh. And Elena said it this morning, as the Israelites had such a reverence for that name, that they didn't speak it out. And then he says, I am. That commitment, I am your God. You are my people. That's the starting point of this, this law. And it's a reminder to us today that he starts at that point of relationship and it's all about relationship with him. We see it in the beginning. We see it through the word. We see it at the end. That is his purpose for his law. So this morning, I titled my message, God First, which is the first commandment. And I, wanna, I want you to, to think about your life for a minute and answer the question, is he first and foremost priority in your life? In every area of your life, in your marriage, in the way you walk with your kids, in your workplace, in your finances, in the decisions that you make, in everything is God first and foremost priority in all of that. Because that is what this commandment requires. It's to say, God, my entire life, as Eugenia said, is from you, so therefore you are my entire life. I'll give it all back to you. I don't, I don't earn anything, I don't exist because of any other reason and the beauty of this is the moment that we understand that God first is the departure point everything else in our lives falls into place it's a little bit like and there's a slide for that Gerard, two on there we go God first is the departure point for everything else in our lives to fall into place if we agree to the first commandment and apply the first commandment, the nine others will follow suit. We wouldn't have to work so hard at it because he is priority in our life. It says, one slide back, you shall have no other gods before me. And I, and I, I once attended a, 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 same, a, a conference with Elena in the United States where John Piper asked the question to a whole lot of students, what is at the bottom of your life? If you pull away the layer of your studies because you're starting to become a charter accountant and you pull away, away the, the layer of why you're doing it and you pull away the layers of your existence up until that point, can you say that at the bottom of your life, everything you do, every decision you make, every walk, that you have in life is because God is priority or can't you say that? And this is what he's telling his people. Put me first, make me a priority in your life and the rest will follow suit. So it's a question we need to continue asking ourselves as we look through these commandments. And I've got three quick encouragements to share about the first commandment and then we're gonna to listen to a testimony of a friend dear to me that's gonna talk about his decision to make God priority in his life 
And then we're going to spend some time around the communion table and celebrating what God has done for us. Putting God first is very simple. It's three things that we do. It's to acknowledge His Lordship. It's to say, God, yes, we acknowledge and I acknowledge that you are God, that you are in control, that you are the creator of heaven and earth, that there is no one beside you, there is no one as great as you. I make you the Lord of my life. Colossians 1 verse 16 says this, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And that's what lordship means. It's coming to that understanding that there is nothing greater and and nothing more significant than knowing that everything is from God and everything is for him. So therefore my life will be for you and be placed back into your hands, the designer who knows exactly what I need in this life. A.W. Tozer, one of my personal favorites, says this, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So if we just see him as an add-on, if we just see him as a a thought or a concept, it's going to define our lives. But if we see him as Lord and we think about him as the one who calls the shots and makes the decisions and the perfect designer who's put all life together, it becomes a heart matter. Therefore, lordship is a heart matter. It's how we feel about him in our hearts. Do we feel about him in a way that makes him Lord of every area of our lives or not. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, well-known verses, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And that's what lordship is. It's coming to that place where you say, God, my entire heart, all my efforts, my entire emotions, my own will, my own understanding, I make you first and foremost in all areas of that. So first of all, we accept his lordship. Secondly, we, we acknowledge his lordship. Secondly, we accept his leadership. Once our heart has settled that he is God, then there needs to be a passing over of leadership of our own lives into his hands. Carrie Underwood said it best. She said, Jesus, take the wheel. It's a lot of car imagery here this morning for some reason. Maybe God is dealing with the Isle of cars. I'm joking. Jesus, take the wheel. In other words, I've been driving in a certain way up until this point, and I thought, this is where I want to take my life, and that's where I want to take my life. But I've come to a place and a decision where I say, no more. Now you have leadership over everything, and you take me where you want to, and I will follow suit. And that's a, where lordship is, an, is a decision of the heart. Accepting his leadership is a decision of our actions. Where we then step back and say, Okay, I'm not going to rely on my own strength anymore. I'm now going to rely on you to make the decisions and lead me to places that you have for me. Francis Chan said in his book, Crazy Love, when you get your own universe, you can make your own standards. But for now, for this moment, and for this time, the universe belongs to God. And he has some standards that we need to live by. So we can't live to our own ideologies and ideas and plans. We have to relinquish control and say, Jesus Christ, you are now the leader of my life. Lead me to the places and you now run this show. No more Frank Sinatra. (laughs) My way, for those of you who's as young as me and don't know what Frank Sinatra is all about, but other than that song. 
I'm not going to sing it. Frank usually sang it. You're welcome to come sing it again. No, not this morning. <laughs> the biggest challenge to us as humans and in making him not only Lord, but also the leader of our lives is pride. It is actually to get to that place where we say, okay, God, I'm not going to rely on me anymore at all. And the only reason we wouldn't do it is because we're quite prideful and full of pride. We think, I can actually do it by myself. I have some good ideas. I've got this figured out. I can make this happen. But we need to lay down our pride and it's only then that he truly becomes leader of our lives. And that's one of the hardest decisions to make is to say, God, I'm going to put aside my own thoughts and ideas and strengths, even my own strengths, yes, Lord, and my own character, my own hard work, and I'm going to let you decide what my life should look like. Christ is only at the lead of our lives when our personal pride becomes least in our lives. I'm going to read that again. Christ is only at the lead of our lives when our personal pride becomes least in our lives. And the question I want to ask you this morning, have you come to that place where you've put yourself in your own, no one's going to tell me thing aside, and we even looked at church and like, church is not going to tell me, beer is not going to tell me, excel self slate aside and say, it's not Pierre telling me, it's not church telling me, it is God, the creator of heaven and earth, the almighty one who is expecting me to walk my life in a certain way because he has incredible love for me. And he knows if I do these 10 things, I will be okay and I will experience life in abundance. Proverbs 11 verse 3 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. And that's the beauty of it. That's the way God works. When we say, God, take my pride away and I put you in leadership, there's a whole lot of wisdom that comes with it. And then we don't have to try so hard and strive that much to achieve what we want to in this life. And then it brings me to my third and final point. Once we make him Lord and relinquish leadership, then we acquire his abundant life. Because out of all these laws that he has given us, there's incredible life hidden in each one of them. Jesus said three things that I want to mention to you this morning. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way, there's no other truth, there's no other life apart from me. He also said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law. So some streams of Christianity thinking, no, we don't have to do those things anymore because Jesus Christ, he said, I came to fulfill it. It is the original design that you should live according to certain rules and regulations because in that you will find life and the love that I have for you. And then Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So the beautiful thing about this message is when we make him Lord of our lives, when we relinquish leadership, we're gonna experience abundance of life. Becomes an effortless notion of just being overcome by the amazing God that we have. Deuteronomy 30, verse 18 to 20, and this is what God does in our lives at all times. He says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse, Therefore, choose life. Who, want, who wouldn't want to choose life? Anyone here? Who would prefer to choose death? Anyone? Great. So in good company. And here's the promise that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice, listening to His commandments, 
and holding fast to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days. Isn't that a powerful scripture? And have you decided to choose life, the abundant life of God for you and making Him first? Or are you still playing around in the den of death, not sure whether you want to take that step? And I'm going to invite Andre to come and join me. Andre Erasmus, it's the other Andre that we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, let's give him a hand as he comes up to welcome him. Now, just a little bit of, of background. I met Andre in 2002. He is Hundry, who plays guitar every now and then, his best friend, and they've been since grade one. And um, I remember meeting Andre, and from the start that I met him, he struck me as an incredible influential person. Um, and he, t- he asked me to not speak so much about him this morning because he wants me to make it about, he wants to make it about God, but I just want to set it up. And I remember on Hundry and Jacqueline's wedding, how many years ago, Hundry? Eight? Eight years ago. He did an incredible speech as the best man for Hundry's wedding. And directly after the speech, yeah, that was preparing you for today, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> after the speech, he went to the bathroom, and I saw he was quite emotional, and I followed him to, because God gave, a word, gave me a word for him. And, and the word that God gave me in that moment is that it's never too late, and that you are comparing your life to Hundry's life. But if you relinquish control... And if you make Christ the Lord and leader of your life, you're going to have a massive impact in the kingdom of God. That's eight years ago. And the long of the short is I had a dream maybe about six years ago about Andre running away from God and he's heading to a cliff. And I saw the hand of God chasing him, wanting to pick him up before he falls down that cliff. I shared the dream with Andre and I prayed and I said, God, let Andre come to a place of surrender long before he falls down that cliff. And that's a little bit of the history, and today he sits here as a brother in the house, as a saved man, a changed man, and we're going to hear a bit of his story. So let's pray for him before he speaks. Let's stretch out our hands, and we're going to pray for him. He's verschrikkelijk benauwd door sy Brits, soos hy sê. He worked in England for, for a season of his life, and he said that it's moeilijk gegaan met die Brits. So we're going to pray especially for his English this morning. Lord, we thank you. For this incredible guy who is willing to share a bit of his own journey with us. And we know oftentimes it's very hard to speak about the things that's kept us away from you for so long. But I pray now in Jesus' name that you give him a sense of peace and calm, a calm spirit to be able to share his testimony with conviction this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe just say hello to the people in English, then you've settled the Brits. Hi. <laughs> Andre, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and we've prepared well for this moment, but the first question is that you lived for 33 years of your life aware of God, but away from God, where you didn't make Him priority or put Him first, and maybe only in a later stage of your life, because when you're one year old, you can't really do that yet, Um, but what did your life look like for that season where you were aware of God, but you didn't put God first in life. Tell us a bit of your, your background. Well, I just want to thank you for, for the opportunity. I feel really, uh, really blessed to be part of a family here. And um, yeah, my, my life basically... I need the mic picking order. 
My life was, uh, I felt lost my whole life. Um, I struggled with ADHD, um, and that led, led pretty much led to depression and anxiety, and which I basically went to alcohol. I drank a lot and, um, from, a, from a young age. And um, oh, so many things happened. I think if I, think if I had to make, make a list from sins and the way I live, life I lived, probably go out the door, you know, but, um, yeah, it's just, so many things happened, I got expelled at school, um, I did drugs, uh, I was in six, seven car accidents where we rolled the cars, and, um, yeah, it's probably, I had a lot of fights, bar fights, I was in bars in and out, and, um, Fights that uh, actually, uh, basically, my whole face were, were needed to be reconstructed mm. and surgery and stuff. And um, I got stabbed as well in my lung. And uh, basically, I think I had all the chances I can have throughout life. <laughs> and uh, I think God just kept me alive for the things He wanted to do. And um, yeah, so I, so I had many goals. Throughout the 32 years, um, one relationship, I, I was blessed with, with two beautiful boys um, out of the relationship, which is the biggest blessing I've ever had. And um, yeah, I never really had any sense of identity throughout the years. And uh, I think just even through all the years that I've never made never once made God my priority in life, my first focus in life. Um, for all those years, I think he just, he just made me the priority the whole time. Yeah. I've got that as a quote, because it was quite profound when we read through it. He says, looking back at everything now, I see that although I never made God a priority in my life, he always made me a priority. Isn't that amazing? That even through all of these darkest things, how now that he looks back, he's like, well, God had me on his dial all along. And even though I didn't choose him, he chose me. That's what the Bible says. And that's the God we serve. Andre, I want to talk about last year, November. Um, we saw you at the water slides. That's where this church also have church uh, every other week um, in summer. But I saw you there that day, and I could see you in a very deep and dark place. I was actually at a loss for words. <laughs> I just remember telling you about my own life and that church has happened and uh, there was a change of season for me here, but I couldn't, I couldn't give anything to console you. All I did is I just left there after we chatted a bit and, and uh, I couldn't face that moment because I felt what you were going through. I went to Eliana, I was sitting there, we looked at you across the water slides and we just prayed. And God reminded me of the dream I had for you of his hand chasing you and you're running towards a cliff and all you have to do is to surrender. And I prayed and I said, God, I have one simple prayer. Let Andre come to a place of surrender before he falls down that cliff. But maybe share with us what your life looked like at that moment and what you actually did a couple of days later. Up here, I reached a point where I was at the lowest I've ever been. 
pretty much felt useless. I've tried everything in my own power to get out of the hole that I dug myself into. Um, I drank uncontrollably. I, I tried basically everything to numb the issues. Um, and the alcohol just basically fueled my depression even more and more. And um, you know, my, all my relationships soured. Um, as I said, I tried to flee from all my problems. I was fighting with everybody. And, um, you know, all, all the aspirations that I actually had as a father, as a son, as a brother, with any relationship, just seemed impossible to achieve. And I never really ever seeked God throughout all those problems. And um, so I moved out of the house, out of my house where my girlfriend and my two boys were staying. And uh, I moved just to, I thought that basically if I can remove myself from that or flee from that, then it'll be, it'll be better for the whole family. And um, yeah, I drank again and I got to a very dangerous place of depression. I think that I kind of, it was my normal. It was, it was okay to feel that way. And, um, so, yeah, um, I was 100% sure that if I removed myself from the situation, the world would be a better place and everyone will, will pretty much be happier without me. And so I decided to take my life. Uh, I took it and fill of pills. And uh, I remember praying to God and asking God if there was a purpose left for me in the world that he should use, that he should wake me up and use me for the good. writing a writing a letter to my boys to explain the sickening feeling I had inside of me for so long, for as long as I can remember. And I truly tried everything in my own ways to try and fix it. I remember writing down all the things I chose to pursue in life and begging my sons not to walk the same path to the destruction. As I was lying in bed, reading my Bible for the last time, well, it was actually for the first time in ages, but <laughs> yeah, and I asked God to use me if he wants me to wake up. He should either let me die or wake, let me wake up and then use me for a purpose in this world. Mm. And asking my and asking God for my boys to please understand that I love them more than anything in life. And that I never liked, I never wanted it to end like that. So I woke up the next morning. Um, I couldn't really make sense of anything that happened. And I just carried on with my life. Sure. It's quite sobering and encouraging to see him sit here. And God has answered that prayer. Saying, God, I'm going to take my life, but if you have one more chance for me, I'll take it. 
And here he is. And I think let's praise God for the answer to that prayer this morning. It also just reminded me, I didn't know the full story, and he shared it with me on Tuesday when we talked through this morning. It reminded me also that God answers prayers, and even if I didn't have the right words to give to him, it was enough for me and Eliana to sit and pray. And we, have, we as church have that responsibility to pray for those, to not forget about those names, but to continue praying. But the story turns out good, and you got through the most difficult part, so well done. <laughs> but what changed? Where did, where did the change come? Tell us the story of how you ended up sitting here with me today and sharing this. So, yeah, um, as we've mentioned, Andrew's uh, been a friend, friend of mine for about 25 years. And um, uh, it, I think it all, everything started at a Mumford and Son concert that we went to earlier this year. God and, can um, even redeem a Mumford and Son concert. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, Andrew, we, we chatted for a while there, and, and he asked me how things were going, and I told him about the attempt that I wanted to end my life, and um, so he invited me to church, as he's done so many times before, um, throughout throughout the years. I, I, I just felt something something happened that day. I felt the urge, uh, urge to just give it another go, you know, and. Um, yeah, so he invited me to church and he invited me to life group. So I went to the life group and I went to church the following Sunday. And I remember sitting there right in the back, um, the last chair in the back. And um, yeah, I remember that I felt pretty pretty uncomfortable. And but I, but something was in me. I think just I needed to be there. I knew I needed to be there. Um, I wanted to be bigger. Of, I wanted, wanted to be part of something bigger in life. I wanted to have a purpose for my life. And I remember praying, telling God that the time between Sundays was too long for me. It felt like life happened during the week, and I just couldn't keep my focus on Him. Uh, that day, they ended up. At church, they handed out pamphlets of Discovery Bible course, and I remember placing one in my wallet to read later at home. For those of you who don't know, Discovery is our Monday night Bible study group where we take a discovery through the Word of God. Uh, sorry for the interruption. Just wanted to explain what Discovery is. Um, yeah, so they handed out the pamphlets of Discovery, and... Later that day, I think I stopped at that big, big garage, actually, that we spoke about earlier. And um, I got out there, and my wallet fell out of my hand, and the, the discovery pamphlet actually fell on the floor. And I picked it up, and I got back in my bucket, and I, and I read it. And I remember, remember the prayer that I, that I prayed after that night, that I asked God to, to really throw it in my face. I needed every day I needed as much as I can to try and keep my focus on him sure. and uh, that's that, that pamphlet in my hand was basically the I think my my chance to, as for a foot in the door and um, if you can put it that way and uh, so yeah I enrolled for discovery and from 
well, basically from a from a place of feeling guilty and my whole life for not talking enough to God and and not going to church enough. I went from zero time with God with, to basically Mondays discovery, Wednesdays life group, Sundays church, and the list goes on. Um, and things started to feel as if there was hope in a dark place that I found myself in. And yeah, during discovery that, during the next month at discovery, a lot of things changed in my life. Um, still a bit of a blur there. Uh, just everything just, it was just amazing there. And I think I'll, I can encourage everybody to do discovery, really. It's amazing. And I got saved and I got baptized the same month. So the baptism happened at the same water slide. Isn't that amazing how God works? A couple of months later, where we prayed that prayer and he was at his lowest. I've got a picture to show you of the day he got saved and baptized in the water. Isn't that amazing? Um, making that decision. And here's another quote that he said. He says his Brits isn't very good, but this is impressive. He says this, I am new. The greatest thing is that I like myself now. Something I, th- I never thought I would say. Isn't that amazing? So now you, you're a new person. You said it. You knew there's a new life. What does it look like now that God has become Lord and leader of your life? How do you experience that abundant life that he has for us? I think um, my life's been radically changed from a very dark place to, to a place of light. And... I think the biggest lie the enemy told me throughout the years is that the things that I've done and the things that I went through, it was, it was too late. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, I was at a, a bugger it up basically. And, uh, Some more Afrikaans yeah. word. Goeie Britse word. So no, the, the things I say and I believe now are totally different from the things that I, that I felt and believed at that stage or previously um, I, as I said I don't know the person that I've became I like myself and I really I really really never thought that I will, will be able to say that and uh, if this is this is this is pretty sums it up I think if I had to do something for God for every single day for the rest of my life um, I would not come close to what he's done for me in the last couple of months. True. And I truly believe that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, Therefore we are, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. It's amazing. I want to just testify. There's a whole row of Andre's friends who got saved over the past five months because he's made it his life decision to say God the old is gone I'm a new creation I want to be an ambassador for you and for those of you who were last week they all came up last week and put their own names behind the cross but that's the power of grace and the power of relinquishing leadership 
to say, God, it's no longer me, it's no longer my ideas, it's no longer my strengths, but I put it all back to you, how God changes it around. And he says, Pierre, it is my ultimate job description to be an ambassador for Christ. That's the ultimate job. I love the way he... I've learned the dream He's going to write a book one day with all these one-liners he's saying. We were joking about it because he started a discipleship group on Wednesday mornings. And I said, let's call it the AA. <laughs> I no, said, it's... let's call it Ambassador Andre's group. And he says, I like that because I always wanted to sign up for the real AA. I said, but this is the real AA. You're now an ambassador and uh, you're going to share life. But Andre... As we close this moment, and we're going to share a song, if you have to encourage us as a congregation through some of the things that God has put on your heart, what, what would those thoughts be? I think since, since I've surrendered to, to God, um, God is building me from, a, from the foundations up. And the one thing I believe is that there is no situation in life that God can't turn around and, and make into something beautiful. I believe with all my heart and soul that pride will keep you away from God. And by relying on your own ways and your own way of thinking, you will never experience the true love and peace and freedom that He has for you. I believe unless you let go and invite the Holy Spirit into your heart, you will never experience the overflow of blessings that He has in store for you. I believe you'll be a better husband better wife, a better father, a better mother, a better son, a daughter, a friend, and even a colleague. If you make God, God your number one priority, only then you will truly find peace and, and felt love, loved like never before. I believe my struggles throughout my life has brought me to a place where I'm teachable to live according to the plan that God had for me before I was born. I believe the, the greatest gift I ever received was the moment when God became my only option. I believe that becoming part of a community that became my family in God was a key to growing, growing in my faith. I believe my, with all my heart and soul that amazing, amazing things are coming. And if we all surrender to our Father, we will be part of it. I was dead for 32 years, and now I can live for the same. Now I can live for the first time because of my Savior, Jesus Christ. In discovery, they asked us if we believe miracles still happen. That's probably the easiest answer I had. And um, I felt a miracle happen inside of me. I think my wish and really is for everybody to just my heart's desire is for every soul on earth to experience the peace and love that I'm experiencing at the moment. Let's give him a hand. Last night, I, last night I was preparing, and the significance of Andre sitting there singing a song that wholehearted wrote two years ago. 
And Henry was the instigator for this song. He says, I want to write a song that speaks about coming back to God. And um, I told Henry, well, I didn't think about it. Last night at nine o'clock, I messaged him and said, we're going to do it on stage with Andre. But it's not about just this. It's about you and making this song the prayer of your life. Where for many of us, maybe he isn't priority. And the one part of the song says on the screen, I've tried to find your ways, but only found my own. Let my wandering heart find rest in you alone. And that's the beauty of the first commandment. It it brings rest to our wandering hearts. So as we listen to the words and the moment of this song, take a moment to reflect in your own heart and ask God, is my heart away from you? Or is it resting in a place with you?
we're going we're gonna to take a moment to respond by participating in communion. But before we do, maybe your story looks similar. Maybe not. <laughs> but maybe you could identify with what Andre said in saying that I've never made God priority. But I know that He's made me priority throughout my life. And there's an opportunity here this morning for you to respond. It says that everyone who believes with their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior will be saved. And your heart has been wandering for too long. And you pray and say, God, I want to hear your voice again. Come burn in me again. Let the fire of God and the passion for God and your power come and live inside of me. And if that's you this morning, you want to pray that prayer. I want you to just put your hand up and say, Pierre, that's me. Don't be, don't be scared. Don't hold back. Thank you for that hand. I know there's more hands that need to go up. Thank you for all the hands there. Anyone else who wants to pray that prayer? Thank you for the hands. It's amazing. This is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is where you put him first, the rest will follow. And we've heard it in Andre's life and it's possible for us. Let us all pray together. And this, if this is you, put up your hand. This is your prayer for the first time. Follow and repeat after me. Say, Jesus Christ, I find rest in you this morning. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me from running away from you. Forgive me for not making you priority. I invite you into my life to be my Lord, to be my leader. Thank you that you are my Savior. Thank you that I can say I am a new creation because of what you have done. Lord, we thank you that everyone in this room can respond to communion this morning. Your word says that. The bread is, is an image of your body that was broken for us on the cross. Where you took all our sin and all our shame upon you. And the wine and grape juice, Lord, is a reminder of your blood that has flowed for us, Father. So that we don't have to take our rightful place of death. You have taken it on our behalf. And we thank you for that this morning. Lord, I pray for everyone who prayed this prayer for the first time today as they partake in communion for the first time as a new person, Lord, they'll experience what it is to be in that new place of making you priority in their life. We thank you for that in Jesus' name.